Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things mental health. Today, I have on Andy Seth, and this is going to be a huge treat for you guys. He is a serial entrepreneur, an author, and music producer who has founded nine successful businesses, helped thousands of individuals break the cycle of poverty, and raised millions of dollars through his charitable endeavors. He serves as the trustees chairman for Minds Matters, is a governor's fellow, and is a master diver. Andy has been featured in national media outlets and has won numerous awards, including 40 Under 40 and Top 25 Most Influential in Colorado. But things weren't always so cush. Until the age of 14, Andy lived in a Los Angeles motel with his sister and parents. He was an entrepreneur from the jump, launching his first business at the age of 13 while earning full-ride scholarships to Culver Military Academy and Boston College. He's a father and a husband, and on any given day, you'll find him meditating, volunteering, and running the nation's first digital agency founded with an entrepreneur program. It's called Flow, and I am so happy to have you on, Andy. Thank you. I'm pumped. I Let's am get pumped, it. too. So let me just, before I ask you your very first question about Bling, your book yeah. that is coming out, I'm so excited for it. I want to tell you a, a little story that you probably know a little bit of, okay. but I want to make sure that the that anybody listening understands our connection. Oh, so um, so my husband and you, my husband Steve and you, were in Leadership Denver. Mm -hmm. That's, I feel like, the first time I ever really heard you speak was happenstance it was the last day when you did like the oh, yeah. speech yeah. and it was interesting because i was a, a real new mom i think i had like a three month old i was nursing i i think it was the first time i had been out since i had him and i just stood in the back because at any given moment i was about to burst and i had to go <laughs> so i just stood in the back and you know i was waiting for this speech i had no idea who you were or what was about to happen and you spoke and i truly was like what is going on <laughs> like who is this guy this is well, captivating and it was truly so then my husband came back i don't feel like i was standing with him and he was like that was great huh and i was like great like that was off the hook like that i, I don't even wow. know what just went on like Thanks. i just you were so gregarious so engaging and so that was the first time i heard you speak and was captivated well, I um i don't think we really knew each other and then um, and then I saw you speak about your own life story at a Minds Matters event. And that, I think you know, my response was a little jaw-dropping because I had no idea about your background, like what you just said about living in a Los Angeles motel. And we really had, I felt like, something really yeah. strong in common. So yeah. I also until the age of seven was raised on welfare and food stamps to a teenage mom an immigrant teenage mom mm -hmm. and um and then your connection to hip-hop and music and yoga is all like the core of me yeah um and i don't think a lot of people know that where probably more people know that about you than me yeah yeah um so i'm really thrilled to have you on i can't wait to <laughs> talk about bling so i'm gonna put it this way the first question to you is bling is a modern day guide to spirituality can you talk about what inspired you to write this book and what your process was like? Yeah, um, so I actually didn't set out to write this book. I had a different book that I had already written and we were trying to float the proposal out and you know do all the things that you do. Um, and I was in a meditation and I've been upping the meditation game for a while now. So it used to be like the 25 minutes a day, then the two times to a day to 25 minutes each to now an hour and a half. And I was in like a really deep meditation and it felt like this this message came to me. And that's the best way I can describe it. It's like a download. It just was kind of like in the meditation, I was like, I came out, I was like, oh, 
that something just hit me and I couldn't tell what it was for. I knew it was like, and, and when I say message, it was like the message was there, but not the words. I knew I had to like put some words to it. And I thought it was for a speech. I was, I was to give a speech, uh, let's say two or three weeks from then. Um, and I thought, Oh, maybe that message is for a speak. It's to an urban leadership foundation. It's all black, uh, emerging leaders in the community. And this message about like this, uh, rapper who goes on a spiritual journey kind of was coming to me. So I thought, Oh, it's for that. Anyways, I, I told my wife, Natasha, about it, and she was like, well, you should just go up and write it. And I never write speeches. It's usually like storytelling, and then there's some points that I want to make. But I thought, you know, there's something to this. I need to get some words around it. Yeah, so I, I went to go write, and uh, the truth is I kind of putzed around. I didn't really write a whole lot. And then at night, at about 11 p.m., after being in the jacuzzi and having a little bit, like having a little hangout session with a buddy, um, yeah, I ended up writing this story. Uh that was not a speech. It wasn't a speech at all. So uh, tell me, I don't want to get too off track, but yeah. how, where, like how and when did meditation start for you and mm. how in the world do you do 90 minutes meditation every day? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I've had fits and starts really since 13. So I, I learned about meditation pretty early and I applied it to athletics. I was an athlete in high school and, but I have this thing called an illatibial band. Well, we all have an illatibial band, but I have one that's loose. And so my hip would pop out in wrestling or in soccer. So I would use meditation prior to matches to like just focus in on the area and bring energy to the area so that I would try to like heal it prior to a game and then it would heal it after a game or is a match. Is this from your family? Is this like what your dad does and your grandfather and uncles? Yeah, and... I mean, not not my, my own mom and dad, but I'd say generally the rest of my family. Our family lives and is, is still in the birthplace of, of yoga. It's a town called Rishikesh in India. Rishikesh um, is at the base of the Himalayas where the Ganges starts. There's a little footbridge that you cross. It's called Lakshmanjula. If, if you ever heard of the Beatles when they went to go kind of like get enlightened and, and follow the guru out there, it was there. And so, um, so yeah, so I, I learned about these through the family. Um, and I, I applied it to something though that was really like practical. And it's funny because that's kind of my vibe now is like, look, I think it's cool to have the spiritual nature to it. Um, but for a lot of people, that's not the entrance point. And for me, it wasn't either. It was how do I fix this thing so I can keep playing sports? That was the original utility for it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad you just said those names of those towns because mm -hmm. when I was reading the book, I didn't know how they were pronounced, but I was mm. super interested. You know, I, I did that on purpose, if I, if I may. This whole book does have characters with like maybe names that you could somewhat pronounce in the West, but are also common in the East. Because I felt like when we look at spirituality and the way it's taught, you're, all, you're kind of choosing between like the white yoga girl and it's not an offense to it, but I think that's what's become stereotypical of it. Or you're choosing with like the, the Indian robes person and like neither of those vibed with me. And so when I wrote this book too, and I picked character names and I put the real names of places, like I wanted them to be something that you knew was like, there's some ethnic to this, Yeah, but it still works like East and West. Yes. <laughs> well, I was totally in thought about that because I've done yoga for a very, very long mm. time. And I don't think I've ever had an Indian yoga instructor ever in my whole life. What? I don't think so. But it's like you That's said, crazy. <laughs> right? They're, they're true, skinny, white yeah. girls who, you know, just yeah. stand up there and they're awesome in their own way. But I'm thinking yeah. like I've even one time, I, I think I tell this story. I One time I ran away when I was trying to get pregnant. I was really upset. You ran was, away when you're trying to get pregnant? Yeah, I ran away. I know. Steve, that's not saying I much. Know. Yeah. That's really not a good point. No, I, I had yet another month of like a failed pregnancy. And uh -huh. 
and I don't think that my spouse handled it very well. Yeah. You know, I felt like I needed more than he handled. And I was like, I'm just out of here. Uh -huh. And I just got in the car and drove. And I drove to Boulder and I just went to an ashram. Right. Yeah. And uh -huh. I just was there for like three days. But there was still no I don't think there were any Indian people there. No. I and know. so so I've even like I think and, and in New York where I'm from, there's actually a really big like yoga retreat place that seem feels really authentic, but I still don't feel like I've ever had an Indian yeah. yoga instructor. So anyway, but yeah. the other thing I wanna talk about is so you, you use the word spirituality a lot <laughs> in the book mm -hmm. and I think in as you're talking about it, is that different to you than religion? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And without a question, I wouldn't even consider myself religious at all. Uh -huh. um, I think spirituality is about understanding the self and really it gets to the point where you understand past your ego, right? Like what's beyond that wall? And beyond the wall of an ego is effectively energy. Like this is made of energy. Me, you, we're all, we're just energy, right? And when you can feel the oneness with all things, that feeling is what is self-enlightenment, right? Self-realization. That takes a while, and it, for some people, it takes some drugs, right? Like, but like, yeah. but but that for me is meditation and the tool that that I used to get there. But ultimately, spirituality is feeling that oneness, just like we can feel love. Feeling oneness, though, is not like an inherent thing that we can just feel. You have to work towards it. Whereas love, we can feel. We we kind of get it whenever we feel it. You mean <clears throat> oneness with thyself or with the universe the universe okay yeah. so that's how you you experience that daily when you meditate no not daily but that's what i'm going after that's like i've experienced it enough now and that's why i've upped the amount of time that i spend meditating because it takes a deep level of concentration to really tap into that you go from conscious to subconscious to super conscious right to get to that point it's a really thin layer you've got to be concentrated for a long period of time i had to build my concentration skills to get there and it, until I could get there, I couldn't tap into this extra, this kind of extra feeling. Now that I've felt it, it's like the daily practice of, can I get there again? And it's not just like, can I get there? There's some goals that I have in meditation. I don't meditate for, uh, to clear my mind, quote unquote. I actually, I think most people can't do that. And I think it's kind of a fool's errand. You know, it's like, how do you go from a thousand thoughts to zero? I don't know, but I know you can go from a thousand to one and one to zero is the issue. Mm -hmm. So a thousand to one, let me, like that's massive progress, but we're always taught like go to zero. I'm like, uh, it's just not practical. There's a practical, there's a difference between what you should do and what you will do. You ain't going to do that. But like once you get to one and you practice that one for a long time, then you can experience zero. Zero thought then is really where it's not your mind engaged anymore. That's right? is that's like, what do you call it? The super something? What super conscious. Super conscious. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have to say, reading the book and knowing you, I do feel a little, um, well, it makes me feel bad about myself because I can't meditate well. I've even taken classes in meditation and sat in a room and I mean, I'll do it and uh -huh. I'm very interested in it. I'm terrible at it though. My mind is, is just racing and I'm antsy and then I become very aware of everything. Uh -huh. My sit bones. Uh -huh. and, and the itch on my nose and like <laughs> totally and so like how long i mean totally. i must be in like stage one rookiness right how long does it take to get that must be somewhat normal my guess would be but where's the motivation to like keep the practice up yeah um 
It's totally normal. And, like, that's why I say I started at 13, but it wasn't, like, consistent. It was definitely fits and starts. Um, I remember, for example, I bought this book called, I think, Eight Minute Meditation. And it reminded me of something about Mary when they were like, eight minutes, you can't even get a burn in eight minutes, right? It's like <laughs> seven-minute abs. Um, I've tried. And, and I think I started to develop a, a routine that made it work. Um the first step in that was actually designing a space that I just vibed with. Oh. And it's crazy because that's it's, it feels consumer-ish or whatever, but I was like, whatever, I, I don't care. But I need a space where like when I go there, the vibe is just dope, so I keep wanting to come back. The problem is if I gave myself like a shitty little space, I'm like, man, fuck this place. This is about, the energy's off. I don't really feel it. But like if I come in there, I'm like, yo, this feels hot. Like, so what does your space look like? I mean, it's tiny, but it's – it's uh, And where is it? A closet? It's in the basement. Uh-huh. Um, where uh, I have my home office because I wanted the energy of my home office and that creativity to kind of blend over with the energy that I'm creating in that space there. But it's just like a, a little table. I have um, some flowers there, some dias, which are like little lights that you like cotton dipped in ghee and you just kind of light those. Um, and then there's a couple different uh, like Ganesh Ji, if you're familiar with like different Hindu kinds of gods, like a Ganesh Ji statue. There's a couple Lakshmi, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, – some incense, which I rarely burn because I got to sit there and work anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll do it. And then a little bell, which I'll use to like create the energy. And that's pretty much it. But like, So it's on a table? Or do you sit on the floor though? I sit in a chair. You I still sit in a sit chair? chair. Yeah. Why? Because it's, it's a hack. It's like a total life hack. Like, Okay, the reason why yoga poses got popular, right? Those are called asanas technically, right? right? Asanas were meant for you to strengthen your body so that you could sit for prolonged periods of time to meditate. That's the whole point of why we invented yoga. Didn't right? know that. Yeah, that's, the, that's where it comes from. Now it's obviously fitness, and I think it's beautiful for that, but the point was to sit. I just bypass them. I'm like, yo, we got chairs. Oh. Like, cool. You can sit. I can't. It's too hard. So I just sit here literally in a chair. Hands in a, in, a, in a mudra, which, you know, you can have different hand positions. Put my hands in a mudra, boom, off we go. I don't play around with all that stuff because that's what I feel like holds us back. The space is shitty. Your, like, back's hurting. Like, you know what I mean? You feel the itch. Like, you know, just knock all that stuff out, and then we can get into it and, like, truly have the feeling. The thing is you got to get a stoke. Like, have you ever have you ever caught a stoke? You know what that, that, that expression is? Like, I'm stoked? Yeah. It's like when you surf, I think that's maybe where it came from. You catch a stoke. When you catch your first wave, you, you get this mm. adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. and you're like, yo, that's, that's called catching your first stoke. Or you catch a stoke, and they turned into, like, I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. So when you catch a stoke, when you're meditating, you're like, yo, what was that? What was that? What I felt do you like- think it actually is? Your, your consciousness, right, what you're aware of goes beyond your ego. Your ego is, is – I forget the acronym, but it's like the, the, the MDM or the something like – the acronym for like where your primary brain uh, waves are, are activated. It's going past those. And so you're passing the ego and you're saying, okay, now what is past the ego? Most of our world is experienced through the lens of an ego. But what's past it? The minute you feel that little dose of it, you're like, what was that? You know where people feel it too? On shrooms, ayahuasca, right? Like yep. that's how people access it. They're, they're accessing the exact same thing. They're increasing their theta waves. They're increasing their gamma. They're decreasing their beta. They're getting past that primal, that, that part of the brain. The same thing is happening in your mind on meditation for expert meditators, not beginner, but expert meditators and for people that are on like ayahuasca. Right. It's just it's an acute crash course when you're on drugs with meditation, you build very slowly. So your return to the rest of humanity here isn't as abrupt. That's why when people come off trips, they have bad trips Mm -hmm. because they just kind of like went after it. But 
meditation you build. So when you taste that, you're like, oh, I need to get some of that. That's that's the and stuff. And does it have to take a long time, or can you get catch a stoke like in 20 <laughs> minutes? Um, everyone has their own journey on this one for real. Um, and so I would say there are those who karmically are predisposed to getting there quicker. And there are those who are just not. And it's just based on your own karmic path. So like if you past lives, this life have done a lot of dope shit, like you have the potential of getting there faster. I think for example, I got to do that because I might've done some stuff in the past that has accelerated my spiritual growth. Maybe I was even spiritual in like a past life and like this life I went up and down with it and I kind of got to it. Other people, maybe it's just like the beginning phase. This might be life one on this on, in terms of that. So I like, think it's funny though that you say you're not religious yet. You're talking about karma. You're talking about past lives. Yeah, that but, doesn't feel religious to you. That feels no, spiritual to you. Totally. Yeah. So I just, you don't consider yourself Hindu? Um, I think I'm Hindu from – this is a complicated thing, but – Hinduism is both a philosophy and a religion. It's just unfortunate that they named it the same thing. But if you look into the study of Hinduism, mm -hmm. there's actually two very defined paths. They just have the same brand name. So it'd be like they should have had two product names, mm -hmm. right? But they put the same brand. So I'm on the Hindu philosophy brand, not on the religious brand. Okay. Yeah. So how do you um... – you're raising how many kids and how old two, are they? Two. Yeah. Very non-Indian. You'd think I'd have 12, but no, we're in America. <laughs> two. You got two kids. Mm -hmm. um, and how old Six are they? Six and four. Six and four. So how are you incorporating this spirituality <laughs> and your whole you know, lifestyle where you are into your parenting? Yeah. Uh, number one thing is we're teaching um, concentration. That is by far the greatest skill that we could give them that yields the best like the most benefit because concentration, if you think about it, is a skill that most of us are really bad at. And we're really good at the opposite, which is distraction, right? Think about it now. The amount of distraction, if you think how many, how many hours a day are we distracted? Let's call it pretty much every waking hour. Mm -hmm. How many days a week? Pretty much seven days a week. Like we're highly skilled at distraction, meaning like we actually – uh, can balance the distraction well, but all that is is we're really good at distraction. How often are we practicing concentration? And so it's the answer is almost not at all. That's so what why does that look like in parenting a parenting? six and a four-year-old? So it started with candles on the kitchen counter and just doing exercises where they would compete. I'd put the iPhone down and I'd time it and see like who can do more and how long could they get, could they get past a minute where they just stare at a candle, a flicker of flame, and they're not blinking. The goal is don't blink. It's like a staring contest with a candle. Really? Mm-hmm. They can so, go a minute without blinking? They can. now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way past a minute now. Um, and then past the candle exercise, because that's training your body, like, what is concentration? Then we started training them on visualization. So, like, we tell people, you know, visualize, but it's hard to know what does that actually mean? So there are, like, if we just gave them a color, let's just take a piece of paper, and we said, all right, here's a white piece of paper. Hold it, close your eyes, visualize it until it's gone. Visualize it right here. See the white, see the white, see the white, and eventually it fades. Try to bring it back, eventually it fades, and then it's gone, right? That's just visualization, but it's really hard to do with a flat color. Imagine telling your kid, like, just visualize your future, right? Like, just, just you just have to focus. You just have to concentrate. How many times do we say that to our kids? Like, mm -hmm. they didn't learn how. Then we moved into what we call imagination stories. It's just a term we use for the kids, but... What we do is we're teaching them lie down at when they're going to bed. So this is an alternate, maybe every two nights, I do this type of a story for the kids. 
Um, lie down, go to bed. Now bring your awareness to the room. Feel the pillow, feel the sheets, feel the temperature. What do you hear? So you're teaching them to bring their awareness to their surroundings. Now think of the last time when we went to the beach. What was the bathing suit that you were wearing? Did you dunk your head or not dunk your head? Was it hot or was it cloudy? Do you remember how you felt? So ask a lot of questions that they're not answering out loud, but they're answering in their mind. So their awareness is now taken to this place. And then I shift to another thing. Remember the last day of school. Um, what did your teacher say when she saw you or he saw you? What did you do there? What were you wearing? What kind of, right? Shift their awareness and then do the same thing, bring them back to the room. So what we've taught them is how to shift awareness, that you are in control of your mind and that you can hold it there. I'm giving you verbal prompts to hold it there, but you have that ability to hold it there. And so we're just teaching them how do you shift awareness? Because when they go into a bad spot, right, like they're in a spot of, I'm, I'm mad about something. They now know they have the ability to shift their awareness. It's hard but the hard requires willpower. They now know what that means though. Oh, my, my right now I'm in here and I need to move it here because in here's the good stuff and right now I'm mad over here. And so by teaching them to shift awareness and hold that awareness, that holding is concentration. That's awesome. That is a, that's a bonus right there. I love that. Okay, let's talk about bling. So um, for people who have no idea about bling, Tell us, you, you, we, we understand you got this through a meditation. Yeah. You wrote it quickly. You wrote it in four days, right? Yeah. Five days uh, total. Five yeah. days total, which yeah. is, you know, superhuman, <laughs> right? And so what is it about? Yeah, this, this story is about a rapper. So first of all, it's a parable, right? So it's a fictional tale that's telling some lessons. It's about a rapper who is loosely based on Nas, right? So at an early age has accomplished all the things, right? Nas dropped his first album, was the first like uh, by Source Magazine, five mic uh, album, like has achieved success and fame early and over the years continues to grow, continues to grow in wealth, uh, fame, has kind of all the things, right? What I call money status and ice, right? He's got all the things, but like, he kind of feels like, yo, this is it. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, this is cool, but like, this is it. And his fans and critics also know about his music. Like, yeah, it's good. It ain't like the first one. It's not Illmatic. Yeah. Right? It's like not he that. peaked really young. Yeah. Felt so that like way. because mm-hmm. well what was happening then? It was super raw, right? Like he just came like he didn't have any expectations. Now he has all these expectations. So he goes to India and uh his agent says, Hey, I, I wanna you should go meet my uncle. He's a jeweler. He'll hook you up. He's thinking, oh, I'm gonna go get me, get me some bling. Mm-hmm. That jeweler is a spiritual jeweler. And so, like, this ring, for example, comes from my uncle, who is the spiritual jeweler. I like your in uncle. The store. Yeah. In, the, in, the, in the story. <laughs> I, I'm like, can I go for three months? Maybe not yeah. three. Would he take me for four yeah. weeks? I think <laughs> I could sure. do four weeks. And so he meets him, and, and as a guide, he takes him to down the spiritual journey and teaches him five lessons. And along the way, they meet different characters who this jeweler has, has touched their lives and they kind of teach lessons through that as well. Do you want to uh, tell the listener right now what the five lessons are or do you want to hold yeah, that? Yeah, for sure, for okay. sure. Um, it's funny because they're the, the five lessons are the names of the chapters and the names of the tracks. The Yeah, we, so talk about because we haven't talked yeah, about that. Right, so um, each chapter influenced a track and so it's basically a soundtrack to the book. Um, so you don't have to listen to it like together. They can be listened to separately. Um, the first lesson is awaken your soul. And there's a lot that we would go into that, but it basically is like, get that ego to quiet down and listen to who you really are. Mm -hmm. How do you do that is what I'm, is what we're teaching in there. Second one is to manage your energy leaks. 
in order to accomplish things like, I don't know, write a book in five days, I know that sounds kind of wild, but it's because you need a tremendous level of energy, right? And ability to concentrate mm -hmm. and get into flow state. Well, if you got leaks of energy coming out your body because of emotional triggers, unresolved conflicts, people, things like you got to shore that up. You only have so much energy. Energy can't be created. It's the first law of metaphysics, mm -hmm. right? It's you cannot create energy. You can only transfer it. So you might have a different battery size than me. We got what we got. So you got to you got to plug the leaks on energy. So energy management to me is a huge thing and it ties completely into like what you've been teaching about burnout. Burnout is a loss of energy, mm -hmm. right? So how do you replenish and how do you not leak accidentally like to places that you don't want it to? Um, third is what I call the five fingers. It's the five fingers of life. And it's basically uh, five sub lessons on how you get from uh, a situation that might disturb you to uh, being able to see clearly and objectively without being emotionally distraught through that situation. It's pretty much like everyday coming at you. Let's how do we deal with that everyday stuff? Um, then your fourth one is... Um, what we call, uh, it's called change for you, but you need to also look at the belief systems you have and decide you want to change for yourself. You call it change system? Change for you change is the name of the you. song, is the name of the, is the, name of the, uh, the chapter. Change for you. So it's a double entendre check, technically. It's like change for you, yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and in the book, there's a love interest. And so the rapper's you know, changing for her, so to speak, mm -hmm. but he's really changing him for him. That's, mm -hmm. that's the whole point. And that's where I teach the meditation technique that I use is inside of that chapter. Um, and then the last one is what we call union. It's bringing it all together. The word yoga mm -hmm. means union in English. Mm -hmm. So union means bring it all together and help other people now, right? This isn't just for us. Um, there's, a, there's a saying that I use in um, translated. It's when, when you have a river that flows, um, if the river stops and the water stops, right? It becomes stagnant, disease grows. But when you have flowing water, then all kinds of things are possible, right? Like people use the Ganges or the Colorado for all kinds of reasons. But if it's stopped stagnant, it's, it's diseased. Just like that, so are all these blessings and all these gifts and all this wealth. Like it comes in, but like you got to make sure that it keeps flowing out. It'll keep flowing. But the minute you do this and you're like, oh, this is mine, like that's, that's what causes the disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like stuck energy. Yeah, so that's the last lesson is make sure you help others. Amazing. And so these five principles came from where? made that shit up, <laughs> um, they're like loosely lessons that my, um, my uncle has, has taught me and he's learned uh, from his guru. And so there, these are just generational type of things. I just adopted it to today's life. There, there's nothing that I really made up. That's fundamental. The parts that I made up are like more how you would implement it in your daily life and the story. Of right. It. So like you translated old, very Eastern yeah. kind of you know, thoughts and philosophies yeah, and making it modern. I mean, the, the mm -hmm. whole take on having a soundtrack to this, incorporating hip hop and making it even just this fictional parable mm -hmm. story, the whole thing is totally unique, yeah. right? Makes, There's yeah. nothing like this. No, it's for, for the best of my knowledge, other than a kid's book, it's the first book that has an album that has a soundtrack. And I just thought like, it's a great way for me to express a different part of my creativity, but also music is a phenomenal way to spread a message, especially hip hop. Like mm -hmm. 
how many lyrics could you and I right now, if we put on the radio and put on some old school, could sing it me all. and you could sing it all. all. Tell me, a, tell me a book chapter you could recite word right, for word. Nothing, not exactly. even my own. <laughs> Mine either. I don't have a clue. But I know the words to my songs. Not only that, my kids know the words to my songs because I did those clean. Yeah, I did them all clean so that everybody could listen to this and we get the message. That should be able to trigger stuff when you hear it. And if you read the book, you'll be able to say, "Oh yeah, I remember the story behind that." But the song alone should be able to give you yeah, the message. Yeah, it represents like the whole chapter. Yeah. Um, I love what you did. Thanks. I am so proud of you. Appreciate I feel that. really excited <laughs> to know you. I'm going to support you in every way. And I think this would this is a great source for anybody, adults. But I really keep thinking about teenagers, teenagers. Hmm. How much reading this book and having a soundtrack to it could completely transform them and give them hope so i think of andy at 13 and 14 could have used bling yeah no doubt <laughs> right so there's a For lot sure. of other andys and cheryl's at 13 and 14 that's true. that could use bling so i that's where i'm gonna really push this awesome and i wish you the best and i'm here with you the whole journey thank you as always for real i appreciate you thank you all right thanks for listening and please feel free to rate and subscribe this episode thanks so much